0: Peace, grace, this is Pastor Colton Lott from First Christian Church, Disciples of Christ, El Reno. We have the privilege of building Christian community in El Reno for the world. And so if you care about building Christian community, or El Reno, or the world, we're glad you're listening to this podcast. If you want to help contribute to the gospel work of this congregation, please visit our website, fcclreno.org, and go to the Give Online tab. And now, here's the sermon for the week. Today's scripture comes to us from 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 11. Hear now these words. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed You know that when you were pagans, you were enticed and led astray to idols that could not speak. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking by the Spirit of God ever says, let Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of services, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who activates all of them in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. And to another, the utterance of May God add blessings to the readings of these words in every time and in every place. Would you pray with me? Holy God, in this moment of quiet and stillness in our busy and turbulent lives, give us good news. Fill us with the right things. Help us in this moment to see giftedness in its multiple forms. In our lives and in the lives of others. Amen. People often ask what I do in my week as a pastor guess it's kind of a weird job. I never really know how to describe. My grandfather inevitably will try to ask me in the morning, so what do you have planned for today? And I sometimes laugh and I sometimes chuckle because it doesn't matter what I have planned. Normally the day happens to me much more than I get to choose what happens in a day. I have a schedule in my mind about how the week should go, but I have not once in the you know, uh, hundreds of weeks I have now served as a pastor been able to follow that schedule in my mind to perfectly once instead what I can more fully answer is what do you like doing right now what are the, jo- what are the parts of the job that are giving you life and I have two of those things that come to my mind the first part that's giving me life in this time is weddings and funerals my teaching pastor in Dwight Winnett was known as the Mary and and preacher and so far I feel the same um Many folks know that the Christian church will do you a good funeral, which celebrates the life of your loved one. That's true here too. Now, I also say there's an industry secret here that most ministers will prefer funerals to weddings. And that's because generally at a funeral, families want a pastor and at a wedding, a couple wants an officiant. And then those subtle distinctions are all the differences in the world. And yet, even still, I love weddings. Let Christian Kennedy know, they get the family rate. Brady, don't listen to what's coming next. (laughs) For most people, it's the only ceremony that they get to plan for their own enjoyment and meaning. It celebrates love, it creates a covenant, and recognizes partnership. I feel like Carol Nichols saying, I just love love. But that's what happens at weddings. But there's one part about weddings that come with a part that I don't love so much. And that's the premarital counseling. And that's a part of the job that's necessary. It is expected of me as an ordained minister of the gospel to not do weddings without also ensuring that a couple has premarital counseling. But I don't like it nearly as much as the wedding part. First, I don't like calling it counseling because I'm not a psychotherapist or a professional counselor. And in our time, when mental health is both professionalized and stigmatized, it's just easier for me not to muddy those waters further. So I instead say I host premarital conversations. (laughs) Second, I haven't been married. So I know that whatever the wisdom I have to say is going to be discounted, despite my education and resources and the goals of these conversations not really being about what I can tell you, It's all going to be a little suspicious to some. And third, and most importantly, I don't really love it because I just never feel like I'm very good at it. And that's because one of my first experiences was rough. No matter what tricks or processes or tools or activities we used, I couldn't get this couple to say anything. To me, to them, to anyone. They were just quiet. But I'm going to host premarital conversations. And they are just sitting there looking at me. (laughs) I hate being bad at things. I'm an Enneagram 3 for those of you who know that personality typography. I hate feeling like I have failed. And I have been convinced ever since then that I must be bad at premarital conversations. Now, Brady, this is the part where you can start listening again. I haven't had an experience like that since. And that was over three years ago. So I know that, like, you know, it takes a few practice couples. Hopefully they turn out okay. (laughs) But nevertheless, my stomach flips before that first meeting with a couple. It's hard for me to trust that, you know, maybe my gift to offer wasn't the gift that particular couple needed in that particular time of their life it's hard to trust that i have more to offer today that god has equipped me for this moment to help a couple in any way that i can knowing that most of it is almost all of it is them and god and i'm just the host nevertheless it's hard to trust Hold that thought about what my second favorite part is because we need to talk a little more about this idea of gifts and equipment. In today's scripture, the Apostle Paul is working through the heart of a problem with this church in Corinth. Spoiler alert, in my opinion, Paul's best writings are... The letters, the epistles that he sends to Romans, Galatians, and this first letter to the Corinthians. And the common denominator in each of these three is that the churches are in deep conflict. And they are seeking pastoral wisdom that Paul can only perhaps offer. Because Paul is the prominent leader in the early church. Working between these Jewish and Gentile worlds to bring one church together. And that process was messy. Messy. We often think that the beginning of things like churches or countries or organizations must have been the best time in their life, that they must have been their best selves, more pure, more whole, more simple. And that's just not the case. But we see this myth that the first thing must have been the best thing, we see it in how we talk about our country. The Articles of Confederation did not work. That's why we have a constitution. And that constitution still contained within it America's original sin of slavery. And condoned the genocide of American Indians. The beginning of the church is often celebrated as this perfect church. Especially in our brand of Christianity as disciples of Christ. Our founders worked to have a first century church. The church just like you can find in Acts 2. We wanted to wipe away the last 1700 or so years. We're talking about 1830 that separated disciples churches from that first church. But when you look at what Paul was writing to and Paul's letters are the oldest in the New Testament, you don't see a perfect church. You see a church that looks a whole lot like this church, not our congregation, but the church of the 21st century full of differing opinions Sometimes with exclusion and prejudice towards those who are poor or who didn't grow up religious. And people who are simply trying to do their best of building a plane while they're in the middle of flying it. It turns out, then, now, it never seems to be perfect. It never seems to be there or arrived it always feels like we're making it up as we go along. And it always feels like what we have either failed or are on the brink of failure. In our lives, in our church, in our country, in the world. So for the next three weeks, we're going to continue this worship series on Lucky Break. This new life after failure. And we're going to be reading 1 Corinthians 12 and 13. Which is the heart of this first letter to the Corinthians. And it's a letter about how this church is failing Now Paul sees new life for them anyway after this moment. The particular fight is about spiritual gifts, perhaps the ability to speak in tongues. And then there was this idea brewing in the Corinthian church that those who had this gift were superior to those who did not, whatever that gift was. And perhaps that superiority meant that they were the actual true followers of Jesus and Jesus rewarded them appropriately by giving them a special gift. Or perhaps it meant that this special gift meant that they should be the leaders, the wise folks in this church that everybody listened to and followed along with. Regardless, it was causing a rumble, a dissension between those who had the gift and supported those who had the gift and those who did not. And so, as Paul often does, because he's a good pastor, he's in there trying to mop the mess up. And he does that in three very important ways. First, he says that the Holy Spirit alone is the reason you have the gift to confess that Jesus is Lord. If you can confess that, you have God's favor. Because you cannot say such a bold statement without God's favor and help. It seems simple to us. Because we say it often. But it is revolutionary to say that Jesus is Lord and the president is not. Jesus is Lord and Caesar is not. Jesus is Lord and the dollar is not. That is a radical revolutionary statement that only God can give you. Second, everyone has a spiritual gift. Not just some, but all. God is an equal opportunity blesser. Everyone has a gift. Even you and you and you. And we might not know the name of your gift. And you might not know the name of your gift. And it may be that it's beyond the scope of Paul's list in 1 Corinthians 12. But everyone has a God-given spiritual gift. And frankly, gifts. And third... These gifts, which everyone has, and they only have them because God gave them to them, is not for their own use. It is not just for me and mine, but for us and ours. These gifts are for the building up of the Christian community. Not just for the benefit of some, but for the building up of all these aren't gifts to hoard or to build prestige or to be, have shiny tokens and plaques, but gifts that put us into service for one another, alongside one another, with one another. These are gifts for the church and the world that the church blesses through its life and its ministry and its work. They aren't just for the VIPs, the very inspired persons. These gifts are tools. To be used to join with God in making all things new. So along with weddings and funerals, where's the second part that's, you might say, my favorite right now or giving me the most life? And the second is trying to help folks in this congregation and in this world put their spiritual gifts into actions so that they can build Christian community in these unusual times. This passage heavily influences our congregation's vision statement of building Christian community in El Reno for the world. And our mission priorities of building disciples, building relationships, and building compassion. The goal of the church is not to make pretty Christians who have lots of spiritual talent and special skills. The church is for cultivating the tools which transform lives and societies and families through the life-giving power of Jesus Christ. We find ourselves all too often in the same boat as the Corinthians, fighting about which gifts are special when they're all special. Jockeying for our position in the kingdom of God when God and the kingdom of God, the first is last and the last is first. Finding ourselves trying to hoard our gifts to make stellar congregations when culture and society are crumbling around us. But there's good news. The good news, friends, is that Paul does not abandon the Corinthians. And more importantly, neither does God. The Corinthians can have new life. But they must first accept that God has equipped them differently. That their differences are not deficiencies on the part of some. Or excellencies on the parts of others. They must accept that they are different by design to make a community of wholeness. On this Martin Luther King Jr. weekend, we sit in this church, in this country, the world's largest multicultural democracy. A democracy that is young, really only fully formalized and realized with the Voting, uh, the voting Rights Act of 1965. Or a Generation X or a Millennial or a Gen Zer? you are the first to be born in a truly democratic country. We're young. And we are still gambling that it can work, because there are no other great examples of this happening. Which is why we still have work to do as a church and as a society in resolving racism and prejudice in this country. Because race is a social construct with life or death implications, and it is still in play today. We see this borne out yesterday in Colleyville, Texas, with hostages taken at Temple Beth, Israel. That's in our backyard. I've been to Colleyville. Anti-Semitism and Islamophobia are dangerous forces that coincide with real racism in the world. I know we think it doesn't happen here. But I'll tell you, I've yet to meet a person of color in El Reno that will tell me that they haven't experienced racism. So that it has right here in our town and it affects the lives of their children still. We have work to do. And who's going to lead it? The good news is that we have the gifts from God to have new life after this failure. We have the gifts to build Christian community in our world which helps us to defeat racism and prejudice in this time and place. We can't do it all. But perhaps we could do some. Perhaps we could do one thing and do it well in 2022. I don't know what that one thing is, but perhaps it could be helping Afghan refugees. Our state of Oklahoma has the third number, highest number of Afghan refugees after California and Texas. And we did so because so many are fleeing Taliban rule. We had members of this congregation fight a war against the Taliban with our Afghan siblings Our Regional Commission on Immigrant and Refugee Ministries needs churches to step up and show up as disciples of Jesus Christ to help these families resettling in our community, but many churches don't. You can guess why, I don't know fully, but I do think some of it boils down to seeing differences as deficiencies. Let's not be in that number. Let's help these families become Americans. But it's not just on that alone. We have new tools for new life in this congregation for this congregation. I know that I often do this. I wonder about how many churches there are and how many denominations there are in the world. And it feels like we're so competitive all the time. And we look so different than that misremembered church of the first century. But every once in a while I stop and thank God that we exist side by side, church against church next to church, offering unique gifts to our communities so that we can join God in making all things new. There are more people who don't have a church in El Reno than do. Turns out none of us have perfected the art of making disciples of Christ. I had someone ask this week if I thought our congregation would ever get back to normal, and that was not the week to ask but what I know is this I'm not worried about the long term or the medium term future because I know that God has already given us the gifts to build Christian community in El Reno for the world but I do have some thoughtful considerations about the short term because if we don't believe that the medium term and the long term are secured thanks to God's blessing we're not going to see the gifts that God has given us today for today which means we won't use them And it means we won't build Christian community even right now. We have enough, friends. We have Jesus as our Lord. We have enough, no matter if there are 50 or 500 in the sanctuary, which is going to be tight, shoulder to shoulder. Whether there are 30 or 300 churches in El Reno, we have enough to be church. And we have more than enough to do and to help all who need We have the tools to have new life in our families. Maybe not in each nuclear family, but when we work together as one family of God, we certainly have the tools to help our kids and our parents and our aunts and our uncles and our nieces and our nephews and our siblings and our family by choice to thrive even in these history-making times. I know that I am weary this week, and I can only imagine how parents with children are feeling after another round of virtual learning and another round of wondering who is sick and another round of worrying about what it is good news and I do believe it is good news is that God has given us enough to have new life if we will use our gifts for one another if we will share them if we will show up for one another if we will trust that God has already done it my friends we are different from one another I'm not telling you anything you didn't know it's a gift and it might be that you had a bad experience and you discount how important your gift is or the gifts of someone else and it may be that you are just so used to doing the work that you have been doing that you fail to recognize that it is a gift from god it might be that you are so accustomed to fixing the walls or sending food or greeting at the door that you don't realize that you are enacting gifts of service and care and hospitality. And maybe that you don't think much about tithing a full 10% of your income or asking people if they would like to join you in your Sunday school class or singing in the choir anymore. Those are just things you do. And you don't realize that you are enacting the gifts of giving and evangelism and worship. And it may be that you just know how to run a meeting or how to respond when people call you in the middle of a rough patch or when you show up to protest against injustice in our world. And so you might fail to realize that you are displaying the gifts of administration and encouragement and justice seeking. Yes, we are different, but thank God we are gifted Not just some of us, but all of us gifted. And we are gifted not just for the benefit of few, but for the benefit of all. So let's put those gifts into action. Let's build up the Christian community and let's go to work for one another, with one another, as God designed. That's our lucky break. Amen.